It's time for the Sports Pen on Thursday afternoon. Tanner Hoops in studio with you. Glad to have you along as always. Jake Duran of Local 3 is joining me per usual on Thursday. What's up, Jake? Man, I'm so happy today. What's NFL that? preseason. Are you one of those it's, people it's finally, who's happy it, about the preseason? I'm, I'm happy about the preseason. Anytime we can get football in real time um, and, and get to see these these teams come out and, and the, the newest version of all these organizations, I mean, it's exciting to me. I'm an NFL person. That's, you know, obviously one of my favorite sp- – it's, it's my favorite sport to, to cover and to, to kind of uh, stay up to date on. So I'm super excited. I'm excited for all these games tonight and, and into the weekend. I never take that much stock into the preseason, but I'm excited to see these young quarterbacks. I'm always excited to see the young quarterbacks on display. I was excited for Drew Locke during the Hall of Fame game. I wasn't excited for the product itself. Tonight, though, we could see Kyler Murray – Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins. There's going to be something to watch out for. Yeah, I really want to see Daniel Jones. I think more so than even Kyler Murray. I I think you kind of know what you get with Kyler Murray. I don't Mm -hmm. think he's going to really skip a beat. I don't think he's going to be the best quarterback in the NFL. But I think um, just with the pure talent he has, the way he plays, obviously Cliff Kingsbury um, going to be coaching in his first NFL game is going to be interesting. Um, but I do think Kyler Murray will will not seamlessly transition, but mm-hmm. he has the talent to to kind of make things happen. And I don't think anyone should be surprised if he succeeds early. But um, Daniel Jones, I mean, he was getting criticized. I mean, he was getting criticized. The Giants were right. getting criticized for taking him um, with that eighth pick. Um, from what I've heard out of their camp, he's some days he's looked really really good, and then some days obviously he's had his troubles and things like that. But um, for the Giants, I know, especially Giants fans, Tanner, I'm, I know you're kind of, I kind of root for the Giants here and there. Um, you hope that you can kind of see something, right. anything, whether it be you know hitting on some some passes, getting a rhythm, um, just see, being confident and calm. You hope you kind of can see that from him, and um, you know, hopefully Saquon Barkley can have another good year where you're kind of just handing the ball off to him. Well, I tell you what, Saquon's going to come up throughout the course of the show. We're going to have football coming up throughout the course of the show. I might turn into football every once in a while tonight. I might try to tune in and see how some of these young quarterbacks are doing. I feel like I need to dig out my old Field of Dreams DVD and pop that in tonight after the news we got this morning. Yeah, I know you're pumped. I have not seen the movie. Really? I know baseball fans are probably wondering what, what was wrong with me. I have not seen it. So are Iowans. Um, right. Uh, Remember, Iowans are listening to yeah, this. Yeah, uh, Tanner, actually, if... For those listening, Tanner gave me the look when I told him that I've not seen that movie. I will see the movie, um, but what a great opportunity for for your home state of mm-hmm. Iowa. You know, two MLB, two really you know bigger uh, the Yankees and White Sox. Yep, big um, markets. Yeah, big markets coming in, and you know that's going to be very entertaining for the the you call them Iowans. Iowans. Iowans for the Iowan people, and and obviously that's history. It's yeah. history in the making. Next year, August thirteenth, two thousand and twenty. Major League Baseball will be played in Iowa for the first time ever. The Chicago White Sox, it'll be counted as a home game for them, will welcome the New York Yankees. The game will be played at the Field of Dreams just outside of Dyersville, Iowa. It's where they filmed the 1989 movie starring Kevin Costner. My brother, when I was in Iowa this weekend, wanted to see that movie so bad. So he's asking me where the DVD is, and I thought, wow, I haven't seen that movie in forever. Great movie. Love that movie. And the White Sox, of course, were the team that was featured in the movie, Shoeless Joe Jackson and the 1919 White Sox. I don't know why MLB went with the Yankees, though. The only reason I can think of is because they love high-octane offense, and they want to see Aaron Judge blast a home run 500 feet deep into a field of corn. I think he's going to do it. They're going to do that's It's probably why they did it. The Yanks love the short porch. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's the Yankees. Even mm-hmm. if you're not a baseball fan, you know, it's going to draw people. I think what they say was it 8,000. It's going to be like 8,000. They're going to seat. seat 8,000 for this. So yep. it's going to be kind of intimate, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. and things like that. But can you just imagine them playing that game in, yeah. in, the, in you know, like you said, the r- rural Iowa? I mm-hmm. can't say that word. But um, it, it's going to be a beautiful backdrop for, for the game. You know, like you said, baseball's huge in kind of like connecting history, mm-hmm. you know, with the movies and the teams. Um, so it just makes it makes complete sense. And, and like you said, uh, the baseball's considered the America's game, and, and uh, it just makes sense that they're going to be in the heart of the Midwest and playing that game there. They're going to do some temporary renovations to the field. They're going to get some bleachers up and down the foul line. So, again, it's going to seat about 8,000 people. Uh, being in media, the first thing I want to know is where the radio broadcaster is going to sit. You know, where's the media tent table? If they can construct some sort of booth, maybe. 
They've got a barn about 100 yards away if they want to set them up there. That'd be perfect. That'd be perfect. Or yeah. put up a, like a deer blind or something. It's <laughs> a, a large one, very tall one. That could work. I tell you what, the corn gets pretty high in Iowa around August, and I wonder if it will be enough to cover Aaron Judge. Like when the players all come out of center field, they all come out of the corn stocks, and then after the game they retreat into the corn stocks. I'm waiting to see, will Aaron Judge be able to be covered by the corn stocks? Will he be too tall for it? Or will they have a few inches on him? That's the thing I'm most excited to see, exactly enough. Yeah, I mean, I've not been to Iowa, but I could imagine that the the corn does get very, mm-hmm. very high there. But I mean, if you're if you're not getting into the stadium, why would you not be out there hoping that you get a ball shot that way? You're I gonna mean, have to take down and get the combine out. Can you get lost a little bit of corn? I was gonna say, like, how thick is 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 the corn? Oh, you could get lost in absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, you could. But I'm saying they need to get the combine out, maybe clear a couple of rows along the baselines. For the bullpen. I mean, can you imagine? You know, there's activity in the corn stalks. You know, they got the right-hander Vargas getting loose. It looks like Giolito's struggling a little bit. And we got some rustling out in the That's corn stalks at the left field line. And then there's just like a little entrance where they walk out. It's like the clubhouse <laughs> is a square cut out from the corn. That'd be funny. I guess I never really thought about that, yeah. you know, how they're going to construct that. It's going to be interesting to see. I, I want to see the finished product. And I tell you what, I like going back to Iowa in the fall. Uh, next year, that might be what I try to plan my vacation around. I would. Get back to that, yeah. It's your home state, man. <laughs> like you said, history. As a as a baseball fan, I don't see – how could you miss it? Right. It sounds like so much fun. I have seen both teams play before. You know, I don't – I'm not even upset the Twins aren't playing in it. I've seen the Twins play so much. I like seeing other teams play, uh, especially when you get two teams like this, two historic franchises, two big markets. What I want to see them do – is play in throwback uniforms. Play like in the 1919 style uniforms. See, that's what I was picturing. Yeah. I already pictured that. Yeah, like the ones they used in the movie. The Yankees have worn the same uniforms since their inception. They have to. They mm-hmm. have to. It would just look weird if they didn't. I, I feel like that should be something that they must do. They have to wear throwbacks. They have to, you know, I don't know. Just, just it has to have come full circle. It has to have the, the feel, the look of some, you know, older type of game. I don't know if this was planned or if it's coincidence, what have you, but 43 years ago today, speaking of the Chicago White Sox in weird uniforms, 43 years ago today, the White Sox played a game in shorts instead of baseball pants. Only time that's ever happened in Major League history. Hmm. White Sox played in shorts. I'd like to think that it was planned. Somebody, somebody <laughs> had this all planned out. We're going to announce it on this day because 43 years ago, the White Sox played in shorts. You'd, you'd think, you'd hope that's what happened. Someone had to plan that. Somebody had to plan it, but... I mean, that's that's a pretty interesting stat. Yeah, why, why not? But I'm excited for it. I'm happy for the state of Iowa, and I'm excited to see how it all works itself out. I hope it's something that could happen again maybe someday. But I tell you, you got to watch that movie, man. It's a great movie. Yeah, you know, I, I, if I if I planned this out, mm-hmm. I would have watched it prior to coming in. Unfortunately, I didn't. I might have had a lot more to say about it, but I will definitely, I promise, check it out soon well and if we didn't learn about this just seven hours ago maybe you would have had a little more time to do it but you've got other stuff you're doing over at local three i mean we got high school football around the corner mm-hmm. by the way i'm going to say this before i forget it be sure to tune in for our high school football kickoff show i talked with all five high school coaches in marquette county that's going to air saturday at noon here on espn up and then it's going to air five times after that until the start of the football season so you can get the lowdown from every coach in marquette county and get the latest on your team. And not to get too far off topic, but all five teams in this county are going to be pretty good this year. Yeah, and uh, we at Local 3 are also going to be doing team previews. Obviously, check out Tanner's show here on the air Saturday. But if you want to um, get some some visuals and stuff like that, um, I'm also going to be doing a lot of team previews. Um, but not only in Market County, I'll be hitting uh, teams all across the UP starting next, hopefully next Monday. And just it's going to be busy, man. We've got the Sports Zone coming up, so... Um, I'm, I'm excited. You know, I love this summer because we kind of get a little break from things, but normally around this time I get really anxious and I'm just ready to kind of get things kicking off. And, and I'm just excited because like you said, Market County is going to be absolutely loaded. Um, a couple new, you know, Marquette's going to have a new coach. Mm-hmm. Ishpeming's going to have a new coach. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if they change their style of play, um, and things like that. But a lot of talent returning, obviously a lot of talent leaving, but you know, Ishpeming is going to be there. Nagani is always a powerhouse. Um, what can you say about Westwood? That, right. that team's been on the rise as of late, um, and and things like that. So I mean, all those teams are going to be great. It's going to be a, it's going to be a tough season for you know. I think there's going to be a lot of parity in this in this year. I tell you what, I love Thursdays for a lot of reasons. 
it's like the pre-weekend for me. You know, you just have one day left of work until the weekend, and it's Friday. You know, you, you feel good about that. Thursday, it just feels like the pre-weekend. I get to see you on Thursdays, and usually we have football. I'm a big fan of Thursday night football. I know a lot of people don't like it, but I like football, especially on a Thursday. You know, when it, it's a good way to help you get your pre-weekend started. I like that. And Westwood is going to open up the season on a Thursday this year. So we're talking, how many weeks is it now until the 29th? Is it three? Three from today, right? Yeah, about three weeks. Three from today, and then four from today will be the NFL season opener. We get the NFL going for real. I can't wait. And college is going to start even before high school does this year. We've got that just one game and technically week zero, but it's going to be a really good game. You've got Miami against Florida. Yeah, I mean, inner inner squads playing against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a huge, huge Miami fan. Um, since when? I mean, since since, uh, since <laughs> a while. Michigan. I am a, I'm, I'm, well, that's my, Michigan's my team. I mean, obviously, I'm okay. from Michigan, et cetera. But, but um, just growing up, man, growing up, I remember um, Miami playing Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Willis McGahee was one of, oh, you yeah. know, a, a, I mean that game was terrible, but Willis <laughs> McGahee was a, just a huge. I was just a huge fan of Willis McGahee. Mm-hmm. To me, when I was, I, I was, I think I was like in eighth grade or something like that. But it was like the perfect age. I was just getting into playing football, and uh, you know, I just always kind of loved the way the, the Miami players carried themselves, kind of the, mm-hmm. the persona they had. Um, obviously, they had the swagger and things like that. But then you get start looking into their history of. You know, just the players that have came out of there, you know, the Ray Lewis's, um, even guys like Andre Johnson, who I was a huge mm-hmm. fan of. Um, you know, Sean Taylor was a big, a big Clint Portis, guys like that. You know, they yep. just have a rich history. So um, a huge, huge Miami fan. You know, I'm not going to say I'm a diehard Miami fan, but I root for them if they're on. Sure. Uh, a, a, you know, for for the most part, unless they're playing, let's say they somehow played Michigan, <laughs> then maybe I won't root them. Hey, that'd be a good bowl game or one of those early season games. Remember back in 2016, everybody was scheduling another major opponent in week one. That's what I would have liked to see, Miami and Michigan. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see that. Yeah. You know, Michigan, they played uh, Florida to open up the season. They did. Um, was that last year? I can't remember. They played them in the bowl game last year. Bowl game, and then I think they opened up the season once against them recently. Alabama, too. Um, yeah, uh, in Arlington, I think. And Michigan has had a pretty good record. But, yeah, I would love to see Michigan. You know, anytime you can get out and, and ex- play some of those bigger schools and, and compete and actually win those games, obviously great for recruiting. Michigan, uh, from what I can see, I, I don't look too far into recruiting, but Michigan is pretty much killing it on the recruiting trail. Mm-hmm. I think they're getting a lot of – they've gotten a lot of commits as of late, and I'm just really liking – I don't like to talk big with Michigan because they never live up to it, so I don't really want to say anything. But they, I think they have a pretty good team this year, as long as everyone can stay healthy, like always, but we'll see. Well, I tell you what, before we move on uh, away from baseball and hit the break, one more big game was scheduled this week, and that was last night, a big game for next year at a neutral site, and that will be the Little League Classic, the Major League Baseball Little League World Series Classic, where in the midst of Little League World Series, Major League Baseball plays a game at the stadium in Williamsport that's designed for the single-A minor leagues. And next year, they've announced it will be the Red Sox and the Orioles. I tell you what, it's a good thing every player there is interested in baseball. I mean, you got to be interested to be at the Little League World Series because the Baltimore Orioles aren't the team that you want to put out there if you're Major League Baseball. You're trying to grow fan interest. Yeah, I mean, so they're not great, but I mean, you're talking about two MLB teams coming in. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even matter if they're the two worst teams in the league. Obviously, um, it's going to be special. These kids are going to love it. Obviously, anytime uh, you, you talk about professionals coming to a, a small place, that's huge. It's it's, it's similar to when um, the teams came up for the Hockeyville here in Marquette. I yep. mean, it didn't really matter who was coming. Obviously, people were disappointed that the Red Wings weren't the team chosen who are, are going to be playing up in, in Calumet. Against the defending champs. Exactly. So they got a little bit better of a draw, but even with the two teams, it was the, the uh, Hurricanes and the Sabres, even even though they weren't directly connected to the state, it was still amazing just to see them in, in the town. So I'm sure, um, obviously, these kids, especially the kids who are playing in the actually the World Series, they're not even going to get a, they're going to get a chance to live out that dream of playing in the World Series, but then they get to take in a, an MLB game. I mean, what an experience for kids, and that could really inspire kids to you know stick with the sport. And, and like you said, the ultimate goal is to grow the sport, and I think it's going to definitely help. Danner Hoops, Jake Durant with you on a Thursday afternoon. Let's take our first time out. When we come back, we'll dive a little bit deeper into the NFL preseason getting going for real tonight. Plus, what's going to happen with Zeke? 
Why is he not getting paid? How long is this holdout going to last? That's next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you in studio Thursday afternoon. Glad to have you along as always. I had my programming note earlier for the Coaches Show coming up on Saturday. That'll be our first airing of it. And then five times more before the start of the high school football season. The schedule is available on our social media, Facebook and Twitter. Another programming note, two Major League Baseball games, ESPN broadcast on ESPN-UP this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. We have the Phillies and the Giants. Both can be heard here on ESPN-UP. Well, I tell you what, the preseason officially getting going tonight, and there will be 22 teams in action, 11 games. There are going to be some... I don't want to say pretty good ones because, you know, it's preseason, but the matchups are intriguing in themselves. Like you've got the Battle of New York. You've got the Giants and Jets playing each other. You've got the Browns against the Redskins, who if you heard earlier on ESPN Radio, I think it was the Will Kane show, Diana Rossini was on here, and she says that Jay Gruden's seat is boiling hot. You think about some of the coaches that could be in trouble. I know he's not in great shape, but I didn't think he was on a boiling hot seat, Jay Gruden. I mean, that's not one of the coaches that I think of being uh, close to being fired here before the end of the year. I mean, there are probably five coaches I can name at the top of my head that are probably on a shorter leash than him. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't help that you have the Eagles who recently just won a Super mm-hmm. Bowl. Um, I, you know, the Cowboys are a team that's perennial Super Bowl contenders. We'll talk about them a little bit later. Um, I mean, the Giants, eh, whatever, they're yeah. all right. But, I mean, you're talking about, I mean, that whole organization, it, it, it's unstable for the most part. You know, they, they reach in free agency, they overpay people, and, and they just haven't been taking that next step. They've had decent, but they also have, haven't had really good luck either. No. Um, but it's hard to say because you're just getting in Dwayne Haskins. I think you got to give Dwayne Haskins a chance. Um, you don't, I mean, maybe they're thinking, if we're going to sit Dwayne Hassan's year and we can't get anything done, it's a perfect time to start anew with both a coaching staff and a new quarterback next season. Do I know if Dwayne Hassan's will play this season? I'm not sure. I, I was under the impression that it would be better off for him to, to just redshirt a year and just just watch this ship sink a little bit there in Washington. I don't think you're going to win a Super I don't think Washington's going to be a Super Bowl no. contender or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting to hear that. But at the same time, you know, it's all about – about product you're putting on the field and winning and, and they've just kind of been kind of a team that's just been all right so um sometimes it's the best thing you can do is is look for a new a new start and maybe they're leaning that way with with uh gruden there but it'll be interesting to see how they play this year i agree with you in the sense that it would be best for him not to play this year to take that learner's year like patrick mahomes did under alex smith but i don't think that's what will happen and i think because of the job insecurity surrounding jay gruden that's probably going to be the reason why they're going to thrust Haskins in there. They got to. I mean, Haskins could be an X factor. They could, could be. You know, he could potentially be one of the, the best quarterback out of that draft class and and win them games. You know, just for being in there. If if the team kind of rallies around him, he might gal- galvanize the team. You know, maybe be a leader. And and if he starts playing well, that could definitely raise the play of the whole team, which could could happen. We've seen it happen before. I think Baker Mayfield was is a good. A good uh, example. He came in and kind of turned that whole ship around just because he started making plays and brought that energy that you needed. So we could see something potentially like that. But I mean, if you're Jay Gruden, why not? If you're, you're sitting here like, well, my job's pretty much on the line. I have nothing <laughs> else to lose. I'll just throw him in there and see what happens. I mean, why not? Other games tonight, and again, there's some pretty good matchups out there. You have the Broncos at the Seahawks. That'll be a 10 o'clock game. That's a rematch of a Super Bowl from just a couple of years ago. Panthers at Bears interest me. The Bears have a lot to prove this season. They had a really good year last year, and no one really saw it coming. Then you have the Panthers who are going to be without Cam Newton and Luke Keekley tonight. Uh, Ron Rivera says that is due to precautionary reasons. Other notable matchups this evening. How about New England at Detroit? If this was in the regular season, bet on the Lions to do it because that's just how the Lions are. They beat teams like the Patriots, but not teams like mm-hmm. the, I don't know, Redskins. Right. Yeah, I mean, they were one of the few teams that were able to kind of best the Patriots last year. I think mm-hmm. it was week three of the season. Week three, yeah. Beat them 26-10, to 10, if I can remember. Obviously, Matt Patricia very motivated to kind of prove a point there. And, and the Patriots did not look like the Patriots in that game. But, the, you know, they've been practicing all week in joint practices. Uh, there's just a lot of a lot of – 
relationships and things kind of going back and forth. Obviously, Matt Patricia used to be the defensive coordinator over there. Um, Tom Brady playing at the University of Michigan. He's coming home. Um, Trey Flowers, the defensive end for the Lions, used to play for the Patriots. Um, you know, Chase Winovich was drafted by New England to mm-hmm. play at Michigan. So, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of cool things happening there. But with every single one of these preseason games, you're not going to see the top-tier talent play. Um, for, for football people like myself, I just kind of want to see how these new additions work. Um, I think Matt Patricia has a lot to prove just coaching-wise. I think it was, wasn't very smooth last season, um, him taking a head coaching job for the first time ever. You want to kind of see more fluidity, uh, you know, better choice making, maybe play calling a little bit, and just kind of how the whole machine works. You want to see a little bit more um, efficiency that way. But just want to see the new additions um, coming in. And obviously the young guys, you want to see if there's guys that we don't really know about come in and and really pop off the screen. Um, Guys kind of fighting for jobs, maybe come in and and make some noise and and things like that. So, I mean, there's still a lot to look forward to for this this, uh, preseason. Well, I tell you what, the Packers are at home tonight. They're taking on Houston. The last couple of days when ESPN2 rebranded to ESPN8, the Ocho, they showed several events that are kind of sports, and they showed the movie Dodgeball twice, one of my favorite movies of all time. I watched it both times it was on a couple of nights ago at midnight, and then last night from 10 until midnight. I watched it both times. And the relationship between Ben Stiller's character and Vince Vaughn's you know, it wasn't good. They were rivals. They did the same thing, but they were business rivals. And plenty of times, Ben Stiller's character would threaten Vince Vaughn. He'd say things like, cram it up your cram hole LaFleur, you know, because his name was Peter LaFleur in the movie. I get the feeling that's what Aaron Rodgers has been saying to Matt LaFleur lately. I mean, there's already a rift Man. going on between those two, and they haven't even had a game together. Man, yeah, He's indirectly saying that, it seems like, especially yesterday when you talked about the joint practices um, in the disagreement. Obviously, Matt LaFour saying he, he thought the joint practices were very good for the team and, and things like that. Aaron Rodgers was like, I don't know why we're doing this. This mm-hmm. makes no sense, et cetera, et cetera. And, and coming into this whole thing, when Matt LaFleur got hired, you know, the media was talking about, you know, look out for this relationship and things like that. And I was just kind of sitting there like, I don't think that's going to be an issue. I kind of th- th- think this is going to be seamless. And I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I was wrong because every time the Packers come up on, you know, in training camp and things like that with the national media and things like that, you hear about this rift, disagreement, mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers not being happy, Aaron Rodgers prima donna, Matt LaFleur is not being aggressive. He's, you know, question, people questioning if he is the right choice for the job and things like that. And, and, and I think the best thing for this team is just get on the field and start playing yeah. because – um, right now, obviously, there's been a little bit of disagreements. We saw it earlier with the audibles and things like that. But I think it's just something that needs to be worked out. The thing that I don't really like is I've always been a Aaron Rodgers supporter with a lot of these things. But at this point in time, it's almost just like it's just kind of getting it gets too, old. A little it gets bit, old. Yeah. It's annoying. It's mm-hmm. annoying, and it's like, come on, man. You know, just just you, you know, just play quarterback. You know, focus on what you have to do. Do what's being asked of you, and and don't give this guy a hard time. Obviously, he's he's trying to learn things as well. And and if we're just focused on this, what? Why aren't we focused on the bigger picture, which is trying to win a Super Bowl and and things like that? So, to me, I, I saw that yesterday. I'm just come on, like this is just it's just getting old. So I just think the best thing for the Packers is to get on the field and and try to try to get it worked out. And I want to see how Matt Lafleur does coaching. Yeah. And I want to see Aaron Rodgers and, and the way he's handling himself and his 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 actions because last year towards the end of Mike McCarthy, I was at the game, the game when Mike McCarthy was fired afterwards, yeah. and Aaron Rodgers was throwing his hands up in the air, you know, looking at the sideline, rolling his eyes, doing all that, head down, you know, slouchy. It, he was just he was doing everything you didn't want to do. He he was giving up, mm-hmm. and I just kind of want to see how he reacts this season because honestly, there's a lot of pressure on Aaron Rodgers. Oh yeah, you know, more than more than previous years because he got Mike McCarthy fired. Everyone knows that he was the main reason behind it, and and now it's 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 put up or shut up. And um, the way he's been carrying himself in the off season to me is, is like you said, it's just getting old, and he's he's being kind of a prima donna. And, and I'm a huge Packer fan, and and I've always supported Aaron Rodgers, but at this time it's just like, you know, Matt Lafour is just doing there, coming to work, trying to do what's best for the whole team. Mm-hmm. The joint practices help the younger guys, help the guys that are going to be you know the depth players, um, get a taste of what it's what it could potentially be like in the NFL. And um, just just sit back and do what you're asked for. Obviously, we know it's not helping you very much, but but it's good for the team, and it's a step you need to take to become a team. Especially when you're talking about the new additions coming in and the the undrafted free agents and things. You know, this is this is very you know important to time they get to work and and figure things out. 
Well, I tell you what, they're playing Houston tonight, who is a brand new running back. I don't think we'd see him on the field anyway, but this morning... There was a trade made between the Cleveland Browns and the Houston Texans. Duke Johnson, another Miami guy, yeah. he asked for a trade in the offseason. It was granted. He wasn't going to see much field time between Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt when he gets back. So he's traded to the Houston Texans. Now, again, Houston doesn't have a general manager right now. They're choosing to go this season without a general manager. So it was John Dorsey, GM of the Cleveland Browns, on the phone with Bill O'Brien, who I think is one of the more underrated non-talked-about head coaches in the NFL. They were the ones who sealed the deal on this trade. It's a good move for both teams, in all honesty. Duke Johnson fills the need for Texas. I, I don't know that he'll be a top-tier running back, but he's pretty good, and he'll be the best one they've had since, who, Arian Foster? Arian Foster. Lamar Miller Lamar had a Miller's few good there. years. Yeah, see, is Lamar Miller still there? I, I don't know. think he's there he's anymore. Not there. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a huge pickup, pick especially if uh, Miller's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Duke Johnson, he can be productive. You know, he he has power to him. He's he's a smaller guy, but he's fast. Um, when he got on the field with Cleveland, he it wasn't like he was he was bad. I mean, um, he's he's a pretty decent running back. Unfortunately for him, he was in a situation where Kareem Hunt became available, and and when Kareem Hunt is healthy and able to play, he he has shown he could be one of the top running backs in the league. And then obviously Nick Chubb is a guy that is living up to everything he. He was supposed to be out of Georgia, so yeah. I mean, the the Browns had had some room there. They obviously had a lot of depth there at that position, so um, they were able to get a, a fourth round pick, I think, uh, for him. And it upgrades to a third if Texas, or excuse me, if the Texans make the playoffs. Okay, and and chances are the Texans they're a pretty good team, mm-hmm. so that, I mean that could potentially turn to a third rounder, which is would be huge for for Cleveland. And and like you said, it gives Tex the Tex Houston Texans. Now I'm saying Texans. The Houston Texans, a little bit of depth at that position, something they're going to need and something they want for Deshaun Watson, who needs to stay healthy himself. And that'll be a good kind of uh, backup plan when you can just keep handing it off and kind of rotating some guys running the ball and definitely open up that offense a little bit for Watson. And let me correct myself. Lamar Miller is on the Texans roster. Okay. I was thinking of him in a Dolphins uniform. Yeah, I, I just kept thinking of him. He but went to Miami too, though, right? He did play for Miami at I, one point. He no, played think, college in Miami. Yeah. He yeah, played so, for both Miami teams, Hurricanes and gotcha, the Dolphins. Gotcha. Yeah, I thought so. I had him on fantasy. I think was it was uh, it was a year or two ago. He's a pretty mm-hmm. good running back. Yeah, it's pretty good to get. So him and Duke Johnson, that's a nice one-two punch there. The other running backs on Houston's roster. I'm looking at the running back position right now: Demera Crockett, Josh Ferguson, Cullen Gillespie, Buddy Howell, and Taiwan Jones. Not very good. No, not a they, lot of depth there. Although there is one more that some listeners, at least up here, are going to remember: Kron Higdon. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Higdon. That'd be nice he to might see be the number him. three running back on right. that roster. I know just, is right now. I know Houston just got ready. Deontay Foreman, mm-hmm. uh, really good running back, had a lot of potential coming out of Texas. Said he needed some growing up to do. So obviously, with his departure, that probably sealed the deal to try to w- make that deal for Johnson. I actually watched this this uh, video on the the Foreman brothers from Texas. Mm. Um, you know, they're twin brothers and how Deontay was the three-star coming out of college and his brother was actually the five-star who was the one actually recruited by Texas. And, you know, they kind of came as a package deal and Deontay was just the guy, his brother, that they needed to bring in because they wanted his brother. He ended up turning around and, and being the, the force um, under a very inept uh, Texans off, or Texas offense. I think he ran the ball in his last season with Texas an absurd amount of times and gained over 2,000 yards. And his brother was a receiver. Didn't get a lot of passes, so um, his brother didn't really do much uh, moving on to the NFL. And, and obviously Foreman was able to um, make it to the NFL and, and get on the team. We'll see what happens now that he's not on Houston anymore. But you know, just an interesting thing I watched yesterday. It's like the Curry brothers. Right. Seth went to Duke. He was primed for NBA success. Steph went to Davidson, and he had that March Madness run in 08. Look at him now. Seth and, and Seth is actually becoming a pretty good NBA player. Good, nice, nice role player. Good. Obviously, he has the shooting genes and things like that. I was mm-hmm. kind of questioning it. Obviously, with Steph being really, really good, like as good as he is, it was hard to kind of see uh, Seth do the same thing. But Seth's turning into a nice little player, so um, he's doing what he can. Obviously, he's not going to be able to live up to his brother, but um, he can definitely help an NBA franchise. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you Thursday afternoon. We're just across the bottom of the hour. Let's take another time out. When we come back, we both got mixed feelings on the Ezekiel Elliott situation. We're going to talk it through next on ESPN-UP.
Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you Thursday afternoon. Glad to have you along as always. Here is your Sports Center update. Upon learning that the Little League baseball team from his hometown of Maracaiba, Venezuela, had won the Latin American Regional, but that several members of the team could not afford the expenses to make it to Williamsport, Texas Rangers second baseman Rufnet Odor paid out of pocket the fee for every player and coach to be able to afford a visa to get to the Little League World Series. How about that? Good. good on Rufnet Odor. Definitely. The Netflix original series Last Chance U has announced that they will feature Laney College in Oakland, California for the show's fifth season. And finally, Pittsburgh Penguins centerman Sidney Crosby, who turned 32 yesterday, has admitted to wearing the same jock strap every game since high school. Hmm. Tell you what, he's my favorite athlete. I don't even know what to say about that. I don't even want to get into that. Some things you just don't admit. Like, that's not a brag. It's not a brag. And what good does it do you to admit that? Right. I mean, what's the lifespan of those things? You know, it can be safe. He's 32. You're in high school. You know, you graduate when you're about 18, so he's worn that every game for about half his life. Man, that's, I mean, that's a good product. I wonder what, you mm. know, what actual brand made that. I think Canadian they, Jockstrap Company. Man, Damn, go for that. I tell you what. Uh, yeah, still my favorite athlete, but Not I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. <laughs> Do you look at him differently now? A little bit. <laughs> Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you in the sports band. Glad to have you along as always. I've got mixed feelings about this whole Ezekiel Elliott situation. He wants to get paid, and he wants to get paid a lot. He wants to be one of the highest running backs in all of football history, really. He wants to be the highest running back uh, that would take the field right now, and he wants to, in all likelihood, be the highest paid running back of all time. Problem is, he doesn't have any leverage. There is no leverage of any sort for him to make that kind of claim. See, right now he's holding out. And it's not like what Le'Veon Bell did last year, because Zeke is still under contract for at most four more years. His current contract expires two years from now, then they can franchise tag him, and he's there for four more years. So what is he going to do? If he plays six games, that counts as one year on a contract. So six games a year until he's 28, and then ask for a new contract? I mean, he'll hurt his own market value by doing that. Mm -hmm. I tell you what, I'm trying to think of an argument, I'm trying to think of what is the argument against paying Ezekiel Elliott? I mean, is the biggest argument that we drafted so well, we've got other guys we need to pay, we need to pay Jalen Smith, we need to pay Amari Cooper, we need to pay Dak Prescott? I mean, whose fault is that? Yeah. It's not Zeke's fault. It's not and, Zeke's and fault. From a performance standpoint, what has he done to say that he doesn't deserve that money? Nothing. I nothing. mean, nothing, but at the same time, it's a showing of the Cowboys' priorities right now. Obviously, you know they're stuck in a predicament where they got a lot of young talent that's that's going to need to get paid and and it's kind of do you value the running back? It's unfortunate that um, the the lifespan of a running back is just so many years mm-hmm. and and you know kind of the the thing that that teams are doing they're they're drafting these guys, running them into the ground, and then saying see you later. We can find another you know really good athlete that can run and and be what you were um, when you got drafted. So I'm um, obviously Zeke's a special player. You know, getting drafted as early as he did, and with that fourth round pick or that fir- fourth overall pick, he's done everything he needed to do. And um, like you said, it's not like Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell was franchise tagged. Mm-hmm. You know, he was farther along in this whole this whole process than than Zeke is right now. To where you know, finally he took a stand and said, "I don't care. I'm missing this whole year because honestly, at any moment he." Zeke could get injured and not be the same player, and then mm-hmm. there goes any leverage he has. Especially with Earl Thomas. Especially, yeah, exa- exactly. Um, so right now, obviously, I, I think the Cowboys hold all the all the power. I mean, they're saying you know they they like who they got in house. Um, realistically, Zeke is under contract. I think if he misses up to week ten of the season, then it doesn't even count as a as a contract year. So mm-hmm. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. He really has no leverage at all. No. Um, and the Cowboys are just kind of calling his bluff right now and hoping that he's gonna he's gonna return. Unfortunately, yeah. If you're Zeke, you're hoping that the team you've done so much for since you've been drafted, you know, made brought them to the next level, made them Super Bowl contenders or in contention where people are talking about them as as a team that could win the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, he's he's hoping that the team is loyal to you, and and unfortunately, this day and age, teams aren't loyal to you. So um, right now, it, it's terrible. Uh, you know, normally, I'm rooting for the player. Normally, anytime this comes up, I'm rooting for the player. Like the player deserves, it, especially if they're they're producing and things like that. But this is the Dallas Cowboys. This is Jerry Jones, and, and he's a, a business guy. So 
It's going to be interesting to see. I think they're, they're hoping he just returns. They're hoping that he just decides that this is all a bluff, that he decides to pack it in. Mothers, don't let your kids grow up to be running backs. Don't be a running back. I mean, if you're <laughs> honestly, though, if you're a high school player and, and you're running a running back and things like that, I would definitely seriously be looking into you know, trying to switch positions oh, yeah, if I can. Absolutely. Because um, even if you do make it to the NFL, you get you get beat up so much and things like that, and and you know you're not getting valued. The market right there, uh, right now in the NFL for running backs isn't isn't very great, um, and and just the lifespan. I mean, you're getting hit every time you touch the ball, um, and it's just not it's not a good position. The lifespan for college running backs has constantly diminished and it's going to continue to do so so in that sense i don't think that zeke is being selfish by doing this and from a performance standpoint he's not being unreasonable here to ask to be the highest paid running back in football he is the best running back in football right now there's an argument to be made for saquon but beyond those two there's a huge gap as far as who could even come close to being the best running back in football compared to those two, right? I don't really, I don't even think the Cowboys are really in the wrong, really, right now. It's just a tough position to be in, just because you know they got a lot of young talent to pay, and they got to kind of figure out who they they really, really need, and, mm-hmm. and who they can potentially let go. And and I just think they feel like with with the defense week they got going there right now, obviously with Dak Prescott, when Amari Cooper came over, he showed that that, that you know he really help their franchise quarterback out a lot. And they figure with that offensive line, I think Travis Frederick's coming back. Um, and, and just a few years ago, they had a monster offensive line. Yeah. I think they'll be back to, to the, something similar to that. They, they figure they can just get any, any guy who has college experience to come back there and, and, and hold on to the ball and run it. And, you know, that's kind of where it's at right now. It's kind of just a waiting game. They got Alfred Morris. They did go out and they get a guy from college – his last name is Pollard. Apparently, he's at a really good camp, but I think I mean, he was he's not Zeke. He might have been out of Memphis. Yeah, you might be right about that. Apparently, he's at a good camp, but he's not a Zeke Elliott. Mm-hmm. And, and to be honest with you, without Ezekiel, without Ezekiel Elliott, I don't know if the Cowboys have have enough to to win a Super Bowl. I think it's going to be tough. You know what Zeke is probably hoping is is he's going to sit out a few games in the regular season, and he's probably rooting against the Cowboys. <laughs> he's probably the, the number right, one yeah. opposing fan because you know. He's probably hoping that they go, they drop the first couple of games. Unfortunately, the Cowboys are playing a pretty easy schedule. I think they got Miami, Washington, and the Giants. And the Giants. Their I mean, first three games are the easiest per uh, right. pro football focus. It, okay, so not looking good for for Ezekiel Elliott. But if they drop one or two of the games, then maybe he gets a little bit of leverage, saying, "You guys need me." Maybe that's what he's hoping for. Well, I tell you what, I like what you said that the Cowboys aren't necessarily at fault here either. Have you ever seen the movie Mister Deeds? Yes. You have seen Mr. Deeds. Do you remember when he found out he owned the New York Jets and their quarterback came in, he demanded more money, and Mr. Deeds, it was played by Adam Sandler, he's one of my favorite actors too, and he tells him, could we renegotiate and pay you less money if you weren't performing at a high level? And he said, no. So I see what the Cowboys uh, are looking at in the same way. And let me relate it this way. And I want to just totally clarify this by saying this is an example. I don't want someone to, you know, tune in, have selective hearing, <laughs> and think this is real. But what if tomorrow I text my general manager, Tom Mogish, his office right across the hall, and I He's say, probably, his ears are <laughs> I say, Tom, I'm not coming in tomorrow. I'm the best gosh darn guy in the UP at this job. And I'm not, this is an example. I'm not that arrogant to say that. <laughs> and I say, Tom, I want more money or I'm not coming in tomorrow. I have no leverage. I mean, what's his response going to be? It's going to be, where are you going to go? You know, you're under lease. You're under contract here. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? You know, why should I do that? Maybe you do perform at a good enough level to be able to deserve that extra money, but I'm not obligated to do it. That's gratuity. That's a tip. That's the same as going to a restaurant and saying, I don't have to give this waitress an extra $5, but she did such a great job. I'm going to anyway. Mm-hmm. It's the same case. I have no leverage. Zeke has no leverage. I don't think either of them are in the wrong for doing that, whether it's the Cowboys or Zeke, whether it's me or Tom. Again, that's an example of someone just tuned in that way. Yeah. I'm not threatening this. Yeah, you don't want you don't, don't clip don't clip the, the segment. Just putting that on the best on the best and just send it on the air to repeat. But it's I mean I could do the same thing, but at yeah. the same time I have no leverage either. They could easily say, all right. See ya, no. and get the next. You know, there's it's coveted jobs. You know, and there's not a lot of jobs out there, so you know they'll they'll get the next next one to come in and and hope they do a better job. So I see where you're coming from. Well, I tell you what, Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you in the sports pen. Let's take our last time out. When we come back, what is the weirdest football injury you've ever heard of? 
Antonio Brown might have a story for us. That's next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any part of the show today, I've got some good news for you. You can hear it on demand. You can get our free mobile app from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Just look up ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad to have you along as always. What is the weirdest sports injury you've ever covered, witnessed, maybe even experienced personally? Anything that comes to mind? Any weird sports injury? I've got one for you if you need a minute to think. Yeah, I mean, like, are you talking like athlete getting injured just because of the sport or just like... Just I, something you've I've, never you know, I've seen. Just, I've just heard a lot of falling in the kitchen stories. <laughs> falling in the kitchen. You know, I don't know. A lot of the times I don't believe that's exactly what happened, but, I mean, you know, it's weird... Guys doing weird things in the off season to mm-hmm. injure themselves, you know, f- slipping down the stairs, um, going on anything like ATVs and things like that. I don't know if that's necessarily weird, but guys are putting themselves in danger. Athletes, guys and men and women. I tell you what, I think of one that I had back in 2011. I played tennis in high school. I thought about playing in college. I could not play anymore. You know, I feel so washed up that I would embarrass myself just horrible uh i haven't picked up a rag in years but i used to be pretty good at it and i was yeah i tell you what i would suffer sometimes from tendonitis in my elbow get some swelling in my arm what have you because i put a lot of spin on the ball i tell you what um but one time i remember i started getting a somewhat of a bump on my right arm and i thought no maybe i just did something to it and this bump kept growing and swelling and it kept burning. I remember one night, it was in 2011, I remember, because I was with friends at the Captain America movie. I don't remember which one it was. It was the one where, I mean, I don't remember the name of it, but it's the one where uh, the Red Skull was a Nazi, and then, you know, he turned on the Nazis. I don't remember the name of it, but it was that movie I was at, and I remember just holding my ice soda against my arm because it just hurt. I mean, it just kept hurting and hurting. And uh, eventually... I, you know, was in bed with a fever. My fever was up to like 103, and they said, you know, you got to go in and get this checked out. And I go in, and they tell me that it's the same thing that Peyton Manning once had in his knee. I don't remember what the name of it was, but Peyton had it in his knee. So what they did, they put me under, they drain it. I still have this scar here. Yeah, I so. had to do something similar under my arm. Um get it drained yeah it's, yeah, and, it's uh, disgusting and they tell you you know well at least they told me that if i would have waited one more day it could have been fatal or whatever that's probably the worst sports injury i've ever experienced i'm not even completely convinced that it was caused by tennis maybe it was that's just about the only thing that makes sense yeah mine wasn't you know a lot of times then that happens is like an ingrown hair or something mm-hmm. to get an infection and and i actually went and they actually decided to i, I forgot what it's called but they try to drain it mm-hmm. and the person who did it did it not right and then I put on, it was put on an antibiotic that I was allergic to. So it got even worse infected. Then I was on an antibiotic that I was allergic to. So there was, similar to what you did, I, I broke out in a, just a massive fever. And then I broke out in a full body, like full-on rash. I thought I was close to dying myself. Yeah. So, But that wasn't a sports injury, so I didn't even want to bring it up. But I, I, I get where you're coming from. Well, um, but, yeah, just weird things like that happen. Just weird injuries that you think could be avoided, maybe. I think Antonio Brown might have us beat, though. I tell you what, the new prize wide receiver of the Oakland Raiders, new highest paid receiver in the NFL, what does he do? He wears sweaty socks into a cryostasis chamber, and that has been the reason he's been missing training camp here in the early going, because you can't do that. You have to be completely dry if you go into the cryo uh, chamber. Because otherwise, you're going to get terrible blisters. I mean, you have to be 100% dry because any water is going to freeze to your skin. I, I don't know who this was. I know if you listen to Golik and Wingo every morning that Mike Golik Jr., when he played at Notre Dame, he had a little bit of a stint in the NFL. I don't remember who the teammate was, but Golik said that he went into the cryostasis chamber. He had a little bit of sweat on his nipple, and it exploded in the cryo chamber. Yeah. And I'm like... You have these injuries. You have documented injury of the cryo chamber, and people still aren't this aren't careful enough about it. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's karma. What, do you? What more do you have to learn? Yeah, I think it's karma, and, and it's just shocking to me because you know Antonio Brown. He's obviously on social media all the time. 
you know he he has a YouTube channel. He's 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 all over the place. Mm-hmm. And all these videos, he has one or two people around him. He's never by himself. If he's not with his family, he has trainers. He's around trainers and things like that. Somebody had to have been with him, had telling to. him, you know. I mean, this is this is your livelihood. This is what you do. This is your fee. It's I, I, I was telling you earlier. Besides his hands and his mind, it's the most important thing that you have. Yeah. And um, for him to do that and just be kind of so reckless, it, it's 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 scary because it just shows, you know, he's just not all the way there. I, he's just not all the way focused to me. Um, and he's he's more focused on on the, the, his persona and the way he's coming off to people. Um, and it's unfortunate for the Raiders who who just spent a lot of money on him. And um, I was reading this article, and, and former Olympian sprinter Justin Gatlin did the same exact thing. Yeah, um, so it's not ago. the first time. 2011, and he said it took him months. And he said it was super painful. Oh yeah. And and he said there's no way that he's going to be able to run and cut and do all that until it's fully healed. And and on Hard Knocks, the first episode of Hard Knocks, Antonio Brown's out there trying to do sprints run routes and he's not slowing down mm-hmm. i don't think it's in his his dna so he's gonna have to really sit back obviously he wants to go out and show his teammates he's antonio brown and what he can bring to the table but i mean that's just reckless it's just reckless and and unfortunately you know it's gonna hurt it's gonna hurt the raiders and and i mean if if you didn't see this picture of his feet i yeah. mean it is disgusting mm-hmm. and and that's gonna keep blistering it's gonna keep blistering and have to get it get it um you know like you said lacerated and drained and it's unfortunate that's his feet his feet, and this is not a good start as an Oakland Raider. It's just, it's just stupid. It was, and you think about it from an NFL perspective. He's not a young man anymore. He's thirty-one years old. I mean, how big of a toll is this going to take on his career? Mm-hmm. Yep, and, and and you gotta you gotta think that when he first started doing treatments like this years ago, or whenever he first started doing this, someone was saying, "Be completely dry." Yeah. You know, you could really hurt yourself, and, and yeah, things happen. But I mean. For you to just go in there like that, just recklessly and just not thinking, it's just I, I just I think it's karma. I, I really do. The guys, this guy's getting hit with some karma. Well, and there's another aspect to this. You mentioned that he's almost never alone. I don't know who was with him or if anyone was with him when this injury occurred. But here's the thing: liability. Who's at fault for this? If it was simply Antonio Brown and he didn't have any team personnel there with him, he just decides he's going to take a dip in the cryo chamber. Then it's a non-football injury. And his contract may very well be void. Like, there may be a legal case if the Raiders can prove that no team representative was there or encouraged this action that Antonio Brown simply decided he was going to wear wet socks into the cryo chamber. They aren't liable. And his contract, the highest paid receiver in the NFL, may not be getting a dime of his money. Like, that contract may be null and void. On the other hand, if this was a team trainer and they... You know, didn't do anything about his socks, what have you. I mean, certainly some responsibility falls on him. But if there was a team trainer present, it's team equipment, then there could be liability on the Raiders' part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like I said, they're going to have to do some investigation. From what all accounts, they're saying that it's not going to be a long-term issue. His feet are going to heal and things like this. The Raiders are saying this is just a day-to-day thing. They don't seem like they're too worried about it. This isn't a day-to-day thing. I know thing, John no. Gruden isn't happy about it. No. He cannot be happy about mm-hmm. it. I mean, that's just... It's just it's 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 the the thing is it was absolutely preventable. Yeah, you know it was something that you know you just are doing and you're just not thinking. That's what's so annoying about it. And and if I'm a Raiders fan, I'm annoyed. I'm I'm angry because well, yeah, you know this is this is a year. This is a proving year. This is a huge year for the Raiders who are moving to Las Vegas. You know he was their big acquisition. He came in and you know he's a B float like a butterfly, sting like a B type of deal. You know, and it's just I mean it's it's. It's just dumb. It was preventable, and and let's just hope he can come back and be be himself because like his feet looked really bad. Yeah, looked really bad. And and I know they're saying it's not a long term thing, but you never know when you're getting old and things like that. And if you're talking about the bottom of your feet and you're running on them and things like that, it's it's scary. And they picked the perfect team for hard knocks this year. Right, if you if, if, for people listening, if you haven't seen the show, I mean it's a great show. Yeah, it's really well done. Episode. I saw the first episode. I mean, man, John Gruden. He really knows how to fire fire you up. Oh man, they needed the sensor button for yeah, him. He but yeah, he, yeah, gets he definitely his team fired up. Yep, um, it was a good first episode. You know, there's a lot of personality on the team. Um, John Gruden's definitely going to be a guy that everyone is kind of watching mm-hmm. relentlessly, and what he's going to be doing, and and uh, just AB even in that show. You know, he's like I said, he was running, trying to run routes and things yep. like that, and not not sitting front and center in the in the, the meetings and things like and, you know coming into training camp in a hot air balloon. It's just it's a circus. Circus. They knew what they were signing up for, though. Oh, so yeah. they, they can't. You know, you can't feel sorry for the Raiders. 
This is just a, just going to be a long, you know, one small chapter in the novel that is Antonio Brown. Uh, so quickly before we sign off here, how does this affect our list of maybe the top receivers in the NFL? This week I've been doing a list of top five coaches, quarterbacks. I might need a little bit more time to think about my running backs. I got my top two. A pretty good idea of who I'd stick in the top five there. Uh, spoiler alert: Todd Gurley's not in it anymore. Ooh. Todd Gurley's not what? in my top five. Not anymore. Man, I'm not. I think people are sleeping in, on the Rams. Uh, well, maybe on the Rams. I think it's and Todd Gurley. I think I think he'll I be. Know. I think he'll be good, man. I'm not trusting a guy hobbled on an arthritic knee at his age. I think he still has I'm a just year not too. Yet. Maybe, maybe. But if we're talking about top wide receivers, Antonio Brown's certainly a top five guy. Healthy. I mean, healthy, right. But then who takes his place up? Is he top three when healthy? You think about guys like Michael Thomas, who certainly... I think Michael Thomas is, is definitely a top five receiver. Yep. I mean, and got, DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, uh, they're top, Odell. They're very well top three. Yeah, Odell Beckham, Devontae Adams. Don't see Devontae Adams. He's up Adams. there. Um, the two guys out of Minnesota, you could put up... I mean, Thielen Adam, and Diggs. Thielen and Diggs. I think Thielen's a little bit better, I but I think they're so. kind of interchangeable. I think they're good. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. I feel like I'm missing somebody very. Julio Jones. Julio, jo- there it is. Julio yep. Jones, definitely. Julio Jones is up up there. Um, AJ Green has kind of fallen off. He's been injured, and a lot. he's going to be hurt too to yeah. start the season. He's going to be injured a lot. Man, I don't know. I mean, Antonio Brown's up there. Those are the top names, though. Yeah. We we hit all the top I'm names. A huge, I'm a huge Michael Thomas fan. Yeah, I am too. He's, he's a very you know, unique, bigger-bodied receiver. Doesn't never looks like he's playing too fast, just because he isn't fast. But he just knows how to get open. And uh, obviously, being the highest uh, receiver in the league, everyone look out because Drewby's throwing the ball and things like that. He's gonna have a big year. He, he wants to prove that he's worth all the money. I got a tough one for you. Maybe it won't be tough for you because you're smart. Where do you put Mike Evans? You think he's a top ten receiver? Top ten? I would say he's uh, he's up there. Yeah. I would put him in the, he's pretty the latter line part as far of, as top ten. He, yeah, he, he's another one of those unique guys. He can run all the routes. He's a big body. Mm-hmm. I would put him in the top ten. I definitely think he's a top ten receiver. Moves really well for his size. He's got a tight end's body. Yeah, yeah, he does. He does. I saw him play. I saw him play the Packers the other uh, a year ago, and I mean, he was just a, just enormous. I mean, it was it was just crazy to see him i was like who is that that's mike that's mike evans i was like how is anyone gonna even guard this guy why why would he not just run down the field and just chuck him the ball just doesn't make any sense but yeah i mean when he's on he's really good i tell you what tanner hoops jake durant with you we got one minute left here in the show but i would be remiss if i didn't say this Last night, the United States dodgeball team, the U.S. national dodgeball team, rallied from a 10-point deficit. They beat Canada in the Continental Cup in Hamilton, Ontario, and they are qualified for the Dodgeball World Cup, which is a real thing next year in Cairo. They're going to be playing World Cup dodgeball in Congrats to Team USA, obviously. Um, Growing up, I don't know too much these days, but everyone has a dodgeball story. You know, we've (laughs) all been playing dodgeball. This is no surprise that we're good. You know, it gets pretty competitive, and, and I mean, that that was interesting to see. It was you know, fun to it watch, was wasn't it? really fun to yeah. watch, but, I mean, man, that'd be scary to be a part of. I'd be scary to be a part of, but congrats to Team USA. You know, we're dodgeball players. Everyone plays dodgeball in PE yeah. growing up yeah, and things see. like that. So, I mean, we're, we're born for it. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad to have you along as always. Got anything you want to plug here before we sign off over at Local 3? High School Sports Zone, it's coming back uh, next next month. We're going to have a preview show on the Thursday before the season, so I think the 28th of August. Tune in to Local 3 uh, Wednesday night at 7.30. We're going to set things off with, with a bang and, and get this uh, show on the road. That is it for us once again. For Jake Duran, I'm Tanner Hoops. We out back on tomorrow for Eastern 3 Central.